Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today I want to ask you, how much time do you have left in your day? How much time do you have left in your day? Does it feel like there's just not enough time in the day? I can always think about five, of about five things I need to do as I'm laying down to go to sleep and they just roll over from one day to the next. At the same time, it does seem like the days are getting longer, but the years are getting shorter. It's such a weird thing. I mean, everything's moving so fast. It wasn't that long that the kids were all in baby seats and, you know, it, it's, just, it's just incredible how fast, how quickly time goes by. And you know, when you're working too, you've got to figure out how to, how to use your time. You, you've got to navigate how to use your time. And so I love to read time management books. I'm a big fan of Brian Tracy. He has a book, it's called Eat That Frog. Uh, it's kind of a funny name for a time management book, but basically he thinks that every person has something in their day that's big and nasty. You don't want to mess with it. And so you do a bunch of little things trying to avoid the one big thing you do. He said, if you'll get up in the morning and you'll eat that big frog, then first thing, then everything else will be easy. That's, that's, a, good, that's a good little illustration, even though I, I'm not really into eating frogs, you know. Frog legs, I draw a line right there. I'm not going any further than that. Uh, the, another, another author I like, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is a, I mean, has some really great stuff. His book is called Four Hour Work Day or Four Hour Work Week. I've never been able to pull that off, but he kind of lays out a roadmap to help you figure out how to do the things that only you can do so that you are able to do more of what only you can do. You know, I, I, need, I need good time management. It's something that I've, I've just had to figure out how to do, and you learn every single day as well. And one of the reasons, because I found out that there's only just a couple ways you can do more. Uh, one way is you can... Work hard, sweat more, and sleep less. How many of you are on that track? <laughs> How many of you have babies that are in diapers right now? These are the most sleep-deprived people on the planet right now. Raise your hand because we want to know who to pray for. So if you see, just stretch your hand this way. Lord, touch them right now, right? <laughs> I told you before, we started out wanting to have five kids, and then our youngest got out of diapers, and we slept for the first time in seven years. And we said, oh, what is this feeling? And so we ended with three. Yeah, time really moves on. And if you start to think about the amount of time that you have, um, you know, with your day, then you start thinking about the time that you have with your family, the time that you have with your friends. When you lose someone that's close to you, time is, becomes more precious. You start out in life, time doesn't matter so much, and maybe money matters a lot, but then as you go, it's like the the role's reversed to the point where you get to the end of your life and you will give all of your money away just for a little bit more time. In fact, that's what the insurance companies would tell us is that the majority of money spent on health care is spent in just the last little bit of your life. So time is the most precious resource, really, that we have. And you know what? The rich and the poor and the young and the old have the same amount of time in a day. And scripture actually calls us to use our time wisely. 
In fact, in uh, the wisdom literature, we're told to consider the ant about how he stewards, stewards his time. And, you know, I, I, I think about my own day. You know, I kind of have a very similar routine every day, even if things change. I get up at about the same time. I have a coffee, of course. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord for coffee. And can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> Some days more than others, right? And then I get a bagel. Bagel, that's my go-to kind of thing. If I'm eating cereal, it's usually not good. That's usually at the end of the day when I just should just go to bed, you know. Uh, but I, I get that. Then I shower and get dressed and head out the door. And then you have meetings and you're doing things. You're trying to do some work. Sometimes you get so busy working in the work that you don't get a chance to work on the work. Time will just threaten you like that. And then I finish up work and we'll probably go to a ball game. We'll probably go to pick, you know, see a, a piano recital or, you know, then there's student ministry and then there's small group and then you go to sleep and you do the same thing over again the next day. And occasionally you fit something in there like a vacation. Do you guys know what that is? Vacation, that's nice if you get a vacation, you know. And, and I would encourage you, even if you don't have money to spend on a vacation, you, you figure out how to come apart. Because if you don't come apart, you will, you'll come apart. And uh, so that, that's really nice, but that's unusual. Most of our time is spent in the mundane, regular repetition of life, and there's nothing wrong with that. What a privilege and a blessing it is for us to be able to work. Aren't you thankful for work? There are a lot of people that don't have work. There are a lot of people that don't, they don't live they, they, they don't have resources like we do. Did you know that everyone in this room is so unbelievably prosperous relative to the rest of the world? And I know we can always look at somebody's doing better and we can, we can, we can find some people that are, that are doing poorly, but even the poorest of the poor in the United States really are pretty wealthy compared to the rest of the world. I think that's good for us to understand just so that we can appreciate our situation. And, and we should function from a, from a posture of gratitude even as we're working with their time. Because for my parents that are working with babies that are in diapers, let me tell you, you're thinking, when am I ever gonna get out of this? But I'll tell you what, honestly, I look back and I say, boy, those are some really wonderful days. Is that true? Is anybody, can you testify to that? I mean, I don't want to rest in development for my kids. We raise them so that they can launch out. But boy, those were some wonderful days. Then when I start thinking about time in relationship to eternity, man, a lot of things really begin to kind of add up. I feel a little bit more pressure. You know, our agenda has been, and the agenda of the church and, and, and a Christian family is to train up your children to fear and love the Lord. How many of you want to see your children growing in the grace of God? Is there anything that you want more? Not, not really. The thing I want more is I want to make it to heaven. Look, I want my kids to go to heaven. I want my wife to go to heaven. I want my church to go to heaven. I want my family to go to heaven. But if you don't go to heaven, I still want to go to heaven. I still want to go be with Jesus. That's about the most important thing. But it would grieve my heart to know that people that were close to me wouldn't be in relationship with Jesus. And so then when I start thinking about my family, I think about my kids and how much time that I have with them. And boy, it's really come to mean a lot because I already have one kid that launched out. She left us. She's in Oklahoma. She's in college. She's on her own. 
We got her there. She drove her car. We followed her. We, we cut her off. We took Life 360 off of her phone. We're like, hey, you're on your own. If you get in a car accident, we'll read about it in the newspaper. You know what I mean? That's really pretty much not, not that we want that to happen, but what we're saying is we have prepared you for this moment and we trust you to go and do what God has called you to do. Um, and I, I got another one. I, you know, I only have about 13 or 14 more Sundays with my middle. And that's what I said. <laughs> uh, about 13 or 14 more Sundays with my middle child, McKenna. And she'll be going to Oklahoma as well. I think my youngest, I only have about 160 more Sundays. But who's counting? <laughs> Who's counting? You know, you know why that's important? 160 more student ministries. Uh, 160 or 13 or 14 more opportunities for us to worship together as a family. And you know what I have found, what I've experienced is the closer I get to that ledge, the less authority that I have and the more influence I have. It started out, I had a lot of authority. I could tell my kids to do whatever I want. You know, I could really be in control. But as we're going, I'm going, hey, this is God's process and his plan. So in the time that I have, it becomes very important for me as I watch the sun going down on this season of life to say, God, won't you help me to be a good steward? And that's why at the end of our work, at the end of our meetings, at the end of the ball games, at the end of the piano recitals, and after the shower, we all gather together and we do a little bit of time of uh, family devotion. Just bringing everything we, we can bring. And sometimes we forget. Sometimes it's one of the kids that reminds us. Sometimes, you know, Kelly's bringing us together. Sometimes I'm bringing us together. And, and sometimes we miss it. And when we miss it, I'm like, man, that's one less opportunity that we have. You know, when I start thinking about our church and, and you know, my hope for our church, my hope is that each one of us count, we, we count the days and we ask ourselves, are we redeeming the time? Are we redeeming our time? Are we stewarding our time in a way that's pleasing to the Lord? I, I know you have to work. You have to work, right? You have to sleep. You have to repair your water pipes when the squirrel, squirrels chew through the water pipes, right? You got to do that. By the way, if I haven't told you, I cannot stand squirrels. I'm just putting that out there. You're like, you got to do that stuff. But what you must do is you must use the time that God has given you. He's given it to nobody else but to bring your family into relationship with the Lord. How many of you believe that Pathway Church, as a family of God, that we can be made up of moms and dads and brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, who do everything we can to bring our family and our friends into relationship with the Lord with the time that God has given us? Do you, believe we can do, do you believe we can see God's hand in the lives of the people we love most? Amen. Amen. And I'm believing with you today. Really, at the end of the day, here's what I'm trying to say is just we've come to the realization that time moves so quickly. Say that with me. Time moves so quickly. Fast. Fast. I mean, I used to go to bed trying to hang on and squeeze out one little extra piece of productivity and now I find myself just like giving into sleep 
missing out on that one thing that I want to do. Why is that that's inside of us? Because God has given each one of us an agenda in life and things in life that move our heart. He's put a, a spiritual agenda in our life. If, if your spiritual agenda is not activated in your time management, I'm telling you, you're missing this huge part of your life. Your career, your, your finances, the, some of you are really experience focused, like you're looking to do one more thing. Those things will never fully satisfy. It's this area of our life, our spiritual agenda, that is most crucial in how we uh, steward, our, steward our time. God's put a spiritual agenda in our life. And, and I would say this, that every single person exists to know God and to make God known. And everything that we do should have this as a mission tucked right in the middle of it. Are you thankful for your job? I want you to know God placed you in that job to give you a circle of influence so that you could be on mission for God in that job, in that workplace. Well, pastor, you're the, you're the minister. No, we are the ministers of God and we've been deployed all over our cities, all over Foley, all over West Mobile and Mobile and Sims and South Haven, Memphis. I mean, look at what God has done, how creative he's been. We have infiltrated, there are ambassadors of the kingdom of God in our public schools, in our hospitals and law offices and uh, sanitation departments and fast food restaurants. We have been deployed, the family of God. And he's given us amount of time and influence. And it's, our, it's in our heart to do something um, with that. And, and God is at work. God is using us. God is using us. I, I want you to say that with me. God is using us. Now make it personal. God is using me. Say it with me one more time. God is using me. Now, what is it uh, that's so urgent about the time? Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16. In the New Living Translation, he says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. In the King James or the New King James Version, the Bible says redeeming the time, like a coupon. I got to get this in. There's an expiration date on it because the days are evil. We gotta make it count. The Lord has spoken to me before in relational opportunities, you know, at Waffle House, at a restaurant, God brings somebody across my path to share with them the gospel. And sometimes I'm going, Lord, is that really you speaking? And I've just determined it really doesn't matter if it's the Lord speaking or not. God's already spoken to me on that in the scriptures. You know, he's given me amount of time. He's given me a certain amount of opportunity. I want to use my opportunity to be an encourager, to strengthen people, to share the gospel with people. Pathway Church, redeem the time. Redeem the time. I would go a little further today as well, because it's not just time and we're like everyone else. But the reality is that we are the generation that's closer to the second coming of Christ than any other generation. 
the return of Christ is more near to us than it's ever been to anyone else. And none of us knows how many days we have left in our own lives. Scripture tells us that our days are numbered. God knows. So there ought to be an urgency. There ought to be an urgency. You may not, you never know when is the last time you'll see your family. You'll never, you never know when is the last time you'll see your friends. You never know when is the last time that you'll be able to gather together with the family of God and worship. You don't know. So there ought to be an urgency. But I think if we are honest, if we look at the, if we look at how the world is going right now, is there anybody saying, if God doesn't discipline us, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you look at stuff and you're going, this is crazy. Talk. I mean, we just recently had a state legislature some, somewhere up in the, in the north where uh, there, there was some kind of legislation that was being advanced to provide some kind of protection for a minor attracted person. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like what was absurd now is normal. We have to be living in the last days. And the scripture tells us that in these days, we ought to have an urgency. I want you to go with me to John chapter nine. We're gonna read the first five verses. The Bible says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciple asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Jesus says, neither. He said it was not because of his sin or his parents' sins. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly, say that with me, quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. And then listen to this. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. There's an urgency. We have a certain amount of time. The disciples are wanting to know whose fault things are. Who can we blame? Jesus is saying, we don't have time for blame. We don't have time for Mickey Mouse stuff like that. Let's focus on bringing the glory of God into people's lives, into sharing the love of God with people. Yeah, but pastor, we really need to stick it to them. There's some people that are doing some really wrong stuff in the world. Yes, we ought to stand up against injustice. You know, the, the, church, has been, the church has been instrumental in standing up against in, uh, injustices. The church has also been a party to injustices. But whenever the church was a party to injustice, it wasn't because of Jesus. It wasn't because of the scripture. It was because we're the church. And the problem with the church is we're people who need Jesus. So whenever there's a problem in the church, you can talk about the hypocrisy within the church or you can talk about the goodness of God that God would send Jesus for people like us that do stupid things. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about fixing abs or don't worry about finding fault with everybody. In fact, what I'd really like you to do is get busy being a part of the solution. Who should we blame? Hold on. Let's not worry about the blame just yet. Instead, instead, let's open the eyes of the blind. Let's set at liberty those who are captive. Let's bind up the brokenhearted. 
Let's touch the untouchable. Let's love the unlovable. Don't you think, think that that's what the church ought to be? I mean, I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak out against injustice. By all means, we should. But we need to know that on the other side of speaking up against injustices, we should be talking about reconciliation and healing and forgiveness and love and transformation. You know, what an incredible thing that you can look in the church and you can see people who are broken but have been healed. It's a mistake for the church to say, look at what all they've done and forget who we used to be. Paul says, be careful because you were, some of you were this. And he says, but for the grace of God, you still would be. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that we're not saved by what, we've done, by what we've done, but we're saved by Jesus, the grace of God? So we need to work. It's important that we work and we need to work urgently while it's still day. And we're constrained by the day. Have you noticed when the sun comes up, we get up or we're supposed to get up. To some of you, there are two six o'clocks in the day. I just want you to know that. There are two, they come around with amazing regularity. Every 12 hours, there's another one right there. But we're managed by the sun. If we're sleeping while the sun is out, unless we're on shift work, some kind of rotating shift, you're not being productive like you, like you need to. Uh, now, if you're waiting tables and you're not getting in until like two in the morning or so, I mean, that's different. You, you got a different sleep. But there are a lot of people that are sleeping when they should be working. I don't even want to get started on that. But, Pastor, how do you, how do you determine who you hire? Listen, the, the, the standard for employers today is dropping. It used to be that you were looking for most qualified people. Listen, some of the questions are this. Do they get up? Do they iron their clothes? Do they brush their teeth? Do they wear deodorant? Will they show up on time? Man, I, I'm, that's a rant. I, that wasn't in my notes. Sorry about that. I've been just kind of working on that, right? We've got to redeem the time urgently because even as I'm preaching right now, there are people that are stepping off into eternity. There are people connected to the church and in the church each week that are stepping into eternity. How are we doing? I would ask you to ask the same thing. How are you doing? And this is important. This urgency is important because there is a heaven and there is a hell. And I want you to go to heaven. I want you to visualize the people in your life that frustrate you, that neighbor that is, that neighbor that is difficult, that neighbor that is, uh, that family member that is very trying. That, that boss that has been riding your back. And let me ask you, I'm, I'm not asking you to fail to handle your business, but what I'm asking you to do is to handle your business in light of eternity. Because there is a heaven and there is a hell. We're, ultimately, we're just constrained by time because it'll be dark. And when it's dark, we won't be able to talk to that family member. We won't be able to talk to that friend anymore. We're constrained by time. The only time that I know of in the scriptures where there was not a constraint of time was found in Joshua chapter 10. I want to read this quickly. It's not like the core part of this sermon, but go, go with me to Joshua chapter 10 and verse 12. And we see Joshua and the Israelites, are at, they're at war with the Amorites. The Bible says, 
on the day the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites, Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel. He said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stayed in place until the nation of Israel had defeated the enemies, its enemies. Is this event not recorded in the book of Jasher? The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There's never been a day like this before or since. When the Lord answered such a prayer, surely the Lord fought for Israel that day. Wow, that would be pretty cool. I have had days like I thought, man, if I could just have another couple hours or a day so amazing where I thought, I wish this day would never end. But our reality is that we are absolutely constrained by time. Pathway Church, it's the end of April in 2023 and the sun is setting, It's going down. It's going down on friendships. It's going down on relationships. It's going down on people whose lives are separated from God. They're walking in darkness. They're groping around trying to find their way and we have the light that's found in Christ Jesus. And you are the evangelist that God chose for them and placed in their life. But let me tell you, while we're constrained by the sun and by time, God is not constrained by the sun or time. It's nothing for him. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to feel urgency, but I don't want you to feel hopelessness. I want you to feel urgency because God told you to be urgent and to work quickly while it's still day. But I want you to know that if you will work like that, God will mobilize with you. There are so many things that we've missed out in life because by faith we did not step out and we didn't activate God. Listen, God is the constant, we're the variable. And he's looking for people who will partner with him. You know, God is gonna do his work. He's gonna do his work. He's got things that he has uh, foreknew and that he has, he has uh, ordained and I wanna be a part of it. How about you? How many of you wanna take a whole squad of people into eternity with you? You know, if you had the cure for cancer, would you do something with that? Would you be at a hospital today sharing that cure? We've got this great cure in Christ Jesus, the love of God. So while we're, we have constraint, God is not constrained. Now I want to show you, uh, not, not just as a, as a nice, cute idea where, you know, God says, you know, to me, a day is like a, a year is like a, help me out here. A, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. I, I'm, I'm not talking about this, but I want to show you something in God's creation. Go with me to Genesis chapter uh, one, and we're going to read the first three verses. I want you to hear this. This is some really, really good stuff. Talking to a really great friend, great brother of mine, just in devotions and we skated across this, it's so wonderful. Genesis chapter one, verse uh, one, we'll read down to verse five actually. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Say that with me, let there be light. And there was light and God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from darkness God called the light day and the darkness night and evening passed and morning came marking the, 
Say that really good and loud. I want you to remember that. The first day. Now jump down to verse 14 with me, if you would. Then God said, let lights appear. So let me also point out here that between verse 5 and verse 14, you have the second day and the third day. So verse 14 starts the fourth day. Then God said, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the large one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and evening passed and morning came marking the fourth day. Isn't it cool how there was light before God created the sun? I just think it's the coolest thing. How is that? God is not managed by the sun. He's not managed by time. He is the light and he is the time. And it's not a big deal for him. He has all the, I imagine that God is like the matrix. You know the scene where Keanu Reeves is ducking the bullets and they're like going real slow. It's almost like God said, okay, now this is the best part of the show. And he slows everything down so that he can get out his small instruments and work on the finest parts of what's going on. So that even if we just have seconds left, he can slow things down so that even the hardest hearted of all sinners can come and reconcile himself to God. Keanu Reeves is ducking the bullets. And God is saying, this time it's not a problem for me. This is, how, this is how it starts in Genesis 1. And we see this same truth being revealed and how it ends in Revelation chapter 21. Go with me there uh, quickly and you're going to see the same stinking thing. And, and I hope that in seeing this, you'll be encouraged. One, you'll be encouraged with your responsibility to do what God has called you to do, to be faithful, to be obedient. You know what the Bible says about obedience? It's better than sacrifice. But pastor, if God knows everything, and if he's ordered everything, then why does he need me to do this? Why would you not want to be a part of God's plan? That's what I want to ask. So urgently, let's work on behalf of God and on behalf of our brothers and sisters. But in the middle of that urgency, know that there's a God who is orchestrating everything. And even if the job is too big for you, all the better that you be a part of that because God is right there with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And I'm saying this for somebody today that you, you look at life that's going by and you're saying, I, I wish I had done some things different when I was younger. You know, I messed up in some relationships. I, I have had my heart broken and I've broken other people's hearts by doing things that just were stupid. I wish I could go back and do it. Like it's taken me a while to figure this stuff out. And now here I am walking with the Lord, wishing I could go back. Listen, you cannot go back. You can't go back. What does the Bible say to do? It, the, Bible, the Bible said, one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So don't regret what's happened in your past, but redeem the time. Whatever time you have left. Did you work hard sowing your wild oats? Then work hard sowing the gospel seed, right? Did you, did you work hard causing trouble? 
Have you been in jail? Have you been addicted? Have you messed up? Have you stolen something? Have you spoke evil against somebody? Have you stabbed somebody in the back? Have you put somebody on blast on Facebook? If that's how you lived your life there, let's live differently going forward, working quickly, redeeming the time that God has given us. Listen to this, Revelation chapter 21, verse 22. And, um, you know, all over the house, if you just go ahead and stand with me, and that, that helps me finish, you know. So, John the Revelator says in Revelation 21, in verse 21, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. That's encouraging to me. That's another sermon right there altogether. But there won't be a bunch of denominations in heaven. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for them because God used, God used people like John Wesley to reform the church and Calvin to reform the church. And I, I'm, I'm thankful for all that. It's like everybody has accentuated something that may have been forgotten. But listen, we won't forget anything then because right now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face we'll see Jesus and we will know and be known. Nothing will be hidden. And so there'll be one temple and his name is Jesus. The Lamb of God, that's who we'll gather to worship. In the city, it has no need of sun or moon for the glory of of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. Just pausing there just for a second, I want you to know that when the earth was without form and void, the lamb of God still shone brightly. And in the middle of your difficulty, in the middle of your difficulty, the light of God's grace is shining even today. And one day, one day, after all of this chaos has come and gone, let me tell you, Jesus will not have passed, but he will be lighting that holy city and we'll gather, we'll gather, brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, kings and rulers of all the nations, all the peoples, all the languages, gathering together, taking their crowns, throwing them down at the feet of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm thankful. The Bible actually says that kings will come in procession and listen, the nation will walk in its light and the, the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of day because there's no night there and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb Book of Life. These kings that come in, they'll throw all their achievements. We will throw all of our achievements down at the feet. Jesus. What an amazing day, but also what a terrifying day. Because did you read that last part there? Did you hear that last part? Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will be there. Nothing evil will be allowed in. There's evil in this house. There's dishonesty in this house. There's drama in this house. There will be no drama in that house. Jesus is coming for a bride that is pure and holy, whose lamps are filled with oil and their wicks are trimmed 
they're waiting for the bridegroom to come and they're redeeming the time. And we are doing here on earth what we will be doing in heaven. In that place that's not constrained by time, that's not limited, but where worship and light will reign and emanate from the Lamb of God, from Jesus, who takes away the sins of the world. Redeem the time. How much time is left in your day? Only God knows. But whatever it is, can't we say, Pastor, I want to join with you in redeeming the time and worshiping God and that that whatever it is I have left, I want to give it to the Lord. I may not have much, but whatever it is I have, God, I want to give it to you. I will never forget the day that I was sitting on the ground in my dad's bedroom. He was in some of his final days and we were just sitting there up against a dresser. And he looked at me and said, son, I just want every breath to count for the Lord. He was still believing for a miracle. He was also resigned to the fact that he was gonna die. And he was saying, look, I love for God to touch me. But if he doesn't, with every breath that I have, I wanna give it to the Lord. And what an incredible testimony and that testimony that all of us can have, that we give our lives fully to God and make every breath count. Amen. Amen. Come on. You say, Pastor, today I have a certain amount of time and I have a a desire for God to use every bit of time I have for my life, for the life of my family, the life of my friends. And I wanna be aware. I wanna be aware of the times and the seasons And I wanna give God the greatest place that I could possibly give him. If that's you, just right where you are, lift up your hand to the Lord, amen. I wanna pray for you today. Lord, here we are as your people, talking about our frailty, talking about our time that's limited. And Father, we bring it to you. We bring our worries and our concerns. We have some some big prayers. Even today, I've prayed for people who are Asking God to touch their family. God, I pray that you would do it. Use us. Help us to be wise in the time that we have and know the season, know know just the right touch, just the right word. Your word says a choice words fitly spoken are like apples of gold. Help us to be wise in our words so they will land in a way that can be received. And Father, the love of God would flow freely in our lives to other people. And I pray you would bless my family called the church, that you would bless us, you would draw together relationships. Father, I even pray that as people walk out of here, there would be some relationships that are busted up that would be reconciled. Some apologies and Father, even right now, I pray that you would help us to release bitterness that has been blocking relationships that need to be reconciled. Father, pride in the name of Jesus. We don't have time for it. There's not enough time left. Father, I pray that you would touch us as we draw close to you. And Father, for any of my friends today that are not in relationship with you today, God, I pray they would confess their sins and confess you as Lord and that you would change them in this place. And we'll love you for that, Lord. We'll thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.